0: Uh, Phil, I'm, I'm really sorry that this this podcast is going to um, overlap a little bit with your uh, Nuggets-Lakers game that you wanted to watch.
1: Really excited to watch. Um, actually, you know what? I was going to make a snide remark, but I did watch the Nuggets game, and I was telling you about that. Uh, the Nuggets-Clippers game. And... Jokic is just, he's my favorite player now. He's just (laughs) big and oafy, and he sounds so much like a server that I have, uh, uh, Eastern European. It's just, so I really like him. Um, Let's see, on the Lakers, you got LeBron and Anthony Davis, Mm -hmm. and that's about the extent of the players I know. Maybe I'm missing someone. Am I missing someone famous on that team? Uh, Rondo's on that team.
0: Pro- probably, okay,
1: didn't yeah. know that, but I know who Rondo is, yeah,
0: um, that's probably the most famous third guy kuzma has does does the name Kuzma ring a
1: bell, not particularly, nothing for you, yeah, no, uh that's I that's, really that's like fine. watching the nuggets, Mitchell, he's on Utah, um, who's the other good guy on the nuggets, uh Jamal Murray, yeah, yeah, Canadian mm-hmm. guy, yeah, I, they were talking about him in uh a lot during the game, so I kind of got attached to that team, so is the is it the first game of the series?
0: Third game, third game. Okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but we'll, we'll try and get you out of here so you can catch catch the third quarter. But yeah, the Nuggets Nuggets rock. They're probably gonna get swept, but uh, that's that's okay. Uh, wrong sport. We're here to talk baseball. Um, we have kind of some news as a podcast. We are uh, working on some things that you will see and not here quite yet. But uh, let's just say there's a, there's a new podcast logo coming for this new feed that we're cooking up and uh, and a
1: new name and the logo looks great very sharp I'm really excited about that so thank you for getting that done and we are uh, off yeah. and
0: moving uh, in a lot of ways so yeah stay tuned and what? I
1: think just a little taste of things to come I'm gonna at least put my head down and I know you're probably gonna do the same because um, obviously the offseason is a little bit less to talk about but we're gonna try and create some content that might not be provided for us with, you know, roster transactions and, you know, games being played every day. So there's not going to be a ton to talk about performance wise, but I think we'll, we'll be able to fill that void, um, with, you know, the sort of kind of, for me, it's more of the fun stuff, like the roster construction and the free agent period and all that kind of stuff. So I think it, I think it should be quite
0: fun. Yeah. To be less tongue in cheek about what we're talking about here, uh, through, through the years of, of, um, not years, but year plus of, of of doing this uh with you, Phil. We've we've I think we've we've landed on a pretty good product, um uh, some raw materials here to work with uh as I am currently podcasting in a situation that includes um, my headphones not working, my microphone not working, uh, and then using a second monitor that is sitting on top of a big cardboard box uh right now. So this is a very much mom and pop operation, but
1: yeah, I love it. It's gritty. We'll we'll get it. We'll get we'll get bigger, but you know, for right now, it's just me on the iPhone and you you on
0: your second rate studio. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the content is really good. Uh, I think I am just the the um, kind of arbiter to to you. You are you are the talented um, prodigy here, and I just I just put your your stuff up on on an RSS feed. Uh, but it you works. know, I and wouldn't so-
1: necessarily say that. I, I actually very much value your opinion on the Mariners. I think the and to be honest with you throughout the podcast's history, you know, maybe I've kind of warmed um, the audience up to these more advanced analytics. But in fact, you're the one who will text me a lot of different like um, little analytical insights that I've actually started to, to, you know, you've been teaching me quite a few things. So I I think it's I think it's a pretty, pretty, pretty good setup we got here.
0: Yeah, we're doing all right, um, and and so our hope is to launch a specific feed for this new podcast. Um, we're hoping to do that probably not before the end of this season, um, but uh, get that going maybe by the playoffs, and then um, you know really devote time to that because, like we said, this is a good product. We like it. We have a lot of fun,
1: um, and we want to. Yeah, and that's deb- the most important thing. Too. I just have a I, I just have a blast doing this every week. It's one of the highlights of my week every week. You know who had a blast uh, last night was Marco Gonzalez. Uh,
0: dude was fired up to finally get get a win against the astros uh,
1: you watch him in the postgame show
0: i did not know was, he was, looked he really
1: upset he was very upset with uh, something uh, he was you know how marco is usually very congenial and jokey mm-hmm. with the media and stuff he was very very sort of angry last night I, even after going eight innings uh no runs it was it was very bizarre to watch you know he was very short with the his answer somebody asked him you know Did you, you know, what did you think about Kyle Lewis making that great catch in center field? And he just goes, yeah, it was great. You know, it was very, Mm. he was very short and it was very odd. So I don't know, maybe something's going on with him in his personal life, but it was, it was noticeable. And even the uh, Brad Adam and, you know, the guys who are more like um, optimistic about everything with the Mariners, they even mentioned that, you know, Marco, not in a great mood tonight. Interesting.
0: Yeah. And and he's at home in Seattle too, because the last time he was kind of gruff um was the day after Austin Nolo was traded and he was I think that was in Oakland. Um yeah. he, he just said he just wanted to get home. Um so yeah, who knows? But but either way, good for him. He he had pitched a great start. Maybe he was just bummed that he got taken out um uh ahead of the ninth there. He thought I should should have gone nine, but I don't know. Yeah, think maybe,
1: maybe that was my thought too, that maybe he was mad that they pulled him.
0: I don't think that's quite a reason to to do exactly what you're saying, but uh you never know. Um but we'll we'll talk about Marco a little bit later. Uh we've got a lot to talk about today. Uh so three up, three down. The first thing that we want to talk about is uh, I was I had this when I first texted you about the the outline, uh, the death of a playoff race. That was almost kind of assuming uh, that the Mariners were going to lose yesterday, but since they won, right. uh, they are three games out behind the Astros, who they are currently in a series with um with i think six games left to play so not so mathematically technically
1: eliminated. though technically though four games
0: because the astros hold the tiebreaker over us there you go um yeah uh so yeah a lot to overcome this isn't gone yet but i mean in this weird season having this come down to uh last couple games is is nice it's it's a nice little perk that To be in a playoff race uh, with just a few games left in the season, I mean, uh, in a 162-game season, I think we'd be ecstatic right now. Uh, This wouldn't extrapolate over 162 games, but that's beside the point.
1: And, you know, I'm seeing a lot of uh, hand-wringing within the Mariners community about, oh, well, this is just such a classic Mariners season. They're not going to make the playoffs, but they're also not going to be bad enough to really get, uh, you know, a top two, top five pick, whatever. A couple things about that baseball first of all you get the number one overall pick all right have fun seeing him in two and a half years mm-hmm. that's just number one right off the bat it's not like nba where it's instant gratification you get to go see um you know uh, lebron right off the bat um number two mlb draft far more of a crapshoot than any other draft there's way less of a chance of even the number one overall uh pick hitting you know we can go back uh even just a couple of years and see mark appell we can, there's tons and i mean tons of first round picks not just only first round picks but number 1 overall picks that don't even make it to the major leagues. And number 3 here the reason we're not going to be picking in a in a high spot is not because you know we were holding on with you know giving getting these great performances out of aging some vets like Nelson Cruz and Robinson Cano and and Mike Zanino and you know James Paxton guys like that but instead it's because of the fact that our young players are starting to really develop, really compete at a high level, and are starting to play like they are, they're, they're playing as though they can win any game on any given day. And I think perfect evidence of that is last night, where the Astros looked completely mortal, completely. And that has, and even when the Mariners have beat the Astros in the past couple, two, three years, you always felt it was a little fluky. There was nothing fluky about last night. The Mariners were every bit the better team last night.
0: mm mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And and uh, last night was was kind of the, the stay in it uh, moment. But uh, it had been anything but that for the last um, five or six games before this little uptick. Uh, the Mariners were a game and a half back of the Astros sitting at uh, 22 and 24, I believe. Uh, mm-hmm. And then they lost the next five games by a combined score of 30 to eight. So yeah. um, we, we can call that the uh, the Yakabonus inflection point. Uh, of the season. Cause that was the second half of the doubleheader after the really fun six, five comeback. Uh, and then they started uh, Jimmy Yacobonis uh, who sounds like just a creative player. Um, and then yeah. uh, everything kind of went to hell from that, but we're still didn't, here. Didn't
1: pitch, didn't pitch well, you know, um, they five, five, five games, 30 runs. That's not going to get it done, but certainly they did not. The bats went cold over that stretch, eight runs in 30 in five games. is, is It's just, it's not going to win you anything. So, mm playing uh i think the 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 team has kind of come out of that slump a little bit but uh certainly playing better now but that was yeah it was certainly a little bit disappointing seeing as we were a game and a half out at this sort of in this sort of weird season i hoped i hoped we could have had a better performance coming down the stretch
0: yeah but i mean in a season where i expected the mariners to win all of you know 14 games i uh, i think that this is already a, a giant success given the, the 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 nola trade and the um you know the extra uh, resources that have that have found their way to the Mariners um, as a course of this season. Um, so but-
1: Vegas had them, Vegas had the Mariners at 21 wins. Um, so obviously they've overperformed expectations. Uh, I you know I'm not a huge Vegas guy. Like oh I think they're the end all be all. But you know smart money goes into these things, and I think they've got a lot of really bright people setting these lines. And so I think it's I think it is it, it echoes the general sentiment is that the Mariners have performed above expectations this year.
0: And I think it, it comes down to what like what what were the things that that made that happen right? Obviously Kyle Lewis uh, was a much better player than expected. JP Crawford probably same thing. Um, Kyle getting more out of Kyle Seeger, at least early um, with the back. Justice
1: Sheffield turning into quite a good player himself. Uh, that
0: that's kind of about it though, right? Well, I think the other part would be the, the AL West completely imploding around
1: them. Yeah, but you also have to remember, you know, Austin Nola turning into a very great player. Uh, You have to remember Dylan Moore turning into a really good player. You know, there have been some really good performance and performances on this team. Obviously, we were hoping to get more out of guys like Shed Long. We were hoping to get more out of guys like Jake Fraley. But as you know, we've alluded to this time and time and time again in a rebuild. You're going to start with a pool of probably 100 players that you think have a chance to contribute. And you're gonna whittle it down to twenty five, and that's what the Mariners are in the process of doing. Okay, Shed Long, maybe not. Jake Fraley, maybe not. But oh, Kyle Lewis, definitely. Uh JP Crawford. Yeah, absolutely. So they're they're just in that process of whittling whittling down the stone until until they get their their statue, so to speak.
0: Let's uh let's move on to one of those kind of nice surprises, but it, it almost just depends on the night with with this guy, Evan White, um, who, mm-hmm. who had a, a big night last night. He had the uh the three run home run that was absolutely shellacked, uh, out to left, um, a barrel. If you will ever see a barrel, um, in terms of, of oh, contact yeah. from Evan White, that was pretty cool. He was very stoked about it. Um, that's kind of how it goes. If he makes contact, it kind of looks like that. He, uh, is, uh, on the good side of things from his stat cast stats, he's 96 percentile in hard hit percentage 90 at the really <laughs> next hit velocity, uh, 83rd percent percentile in barrels. 86 percentile in sprint speed. Um, here's one for you, Phil. Uh, Evan White is sixth in average sprint speed among all first basemen since 2015. Right behind. I'm trying
1: to now think who it was ever a faster. He's the fastest first baseman I've seen in a long time.
0: Yeah, Pujols is the only guy that's faster.
1: Oh yeah, you know the <laughs> burner. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, no, Bellinger is is. Uh, oh yeah, that's kind right. Of, kind of an outfielder, but um, but yeah, he's, that
1: he's he stable. does He shouldn't be allowed to count.
0: Uh, More good stuff from Evan White in addition to what we saw last night. Uh, His WRC Plus by month, 52 in July, was horrible, 61 in August, not a whole lot better, and then 92 now in September, um, still not above the, the Mendoza line, if you will, for WRC Plus standards, but... Definitely improving. um, Improving.
1: Absolutely. And that's what you want to see. I just want to, you know, I go back and forth on this in my own mind. How much should I worry, be worried about Evan White? I want to use a guy who's a comparison outside of the Mariners system. You look at a guy like Joe Adele and he's by all accounts, a top five prospect with the angels, you know, not only top five in the angels organization. Let me be clear. He's top five in all of baseball. So a lot of people thinking a lot of good things are coming from this guy. Um, he had a minor, he had a, he had a triple A season last year. So keep in mind, he was a more advanced bat than Evan White. Evan White only got to double A. I mean, he had what two three at bats in triple A, but that was really nothing. Um, Adele got to spend about half a season at triple A last year. And since Adele's call up, he is running a strikeout rate north of 40%. His bat, I mean, we can just use batting average. I know it's imperfect, but you know, batting average is one eighties. He's in the one eighties. He's riding the interstate just like Evan White. So he thinking about Adele as a comp, you know, top five prospect did have the ability um, to go to triple A last year and then come up to the majors this year versus Evan White. Do- only was at double A got thrown right into the mix in the major leagues because of that favorable contract he signed. So y- there's going to be this adjustment period. Not, and I know Kyle Lewis is the outlier here where he comes up from double A and he immediately lights the world on fire. But even with Kyle Lewis, he's had to adjust and he's adjust and it may not look like it from a surface level. He's probably running very similar, you know, surface level stats as to what he did last year. But Kyle Lewis has made a major adjustment in his profile this year. So these guys are not finished products just because they hit the field. Uh, I, and I hope that's that's clear and people don't worry too, too much about Evan because I, I really do think he's going to be OK.
0: Yeah. And in a normal season right now, I mean, this is, this is July. Um, and, right. and there are still three more months for Evan White to continue on this progression. And you get a full six month profile out of the guy uh, that we're not going to get this year. And so this is just a weird time to evaluate. And you can only use what you have. Um, but with white, there's the good, like I just said, there's the bad, you know, he's uh, all those good things that I said, basically flip them for uh, swing percentage whiff percentage uh, strike, mm-hmm. strike per- or strikeout percentage. Um, that is, that's the, the, the take when there's the give, uh, and then there's the defense, uh, the plays he makes routinely, the picks, There's a pick last night that, that he got that it's just, you know, you don't, there's no error for the positive play, right. That, that says like, this, right, is, this right. is a great play, but he. It, it's so easy, and he's probably saved so many errors um, that other guys just couldn't get to. Um, you know, he's
1: certainly made JP a better shortstop, and JP is the first one to say that consistently.
0: Absolutely, and so yeah, he's he's just he's an asset, and and there's no. And getting here's around the that. thing
1: about the whiff and the strikeout percentages and all that stuff. If you're gonna ask me what I would rather have, a guy who's in the top five percent of exit velocities and the bottom five percent of whiff percentage. Or switch that around. A guy who's in the bottom five percent of exit velocities and the top five percentage of of whiff percentage. Meaning top five percent meaning very good, bottom five meaning very bad. I'd rather take a profile similar to Evan White's because I know I can. I I'm probably gonna get that adjustment on the whiffs, and you can work those things. It's really hard to get better at hitting the ball hard. That's kind of an innate ability where you're either a very strong, powerful guy who makes good contact, or you're not.
0: Mm-hmm. And especially, you know, when, when the, the binary there is also the, the guy is twenty four years old and didn't get a season in AAA. You know, like if, exactly. if you're already doing these things, you'll you'll be all right. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm very optimistic about, about Evan White. This is exactly what we wanted to see at least his progress. Uh, and then the ability to hit the ball hard because I think that was really the only thing that people were worried about with him is, can he hit for power and oh
1: uh, and and he's answered that question exactly. absolutely uh, yeah,
0: so so you know, thinking about where this team needs to be, and that's really good in a couple of years. Uh, we're right there with with Evan White,
1: and you know, Depoto might be a snake oil salesman, but one thing he was not snake oil about last year, I remember listening to him on the podcast on the wheelhouse, and he said, you know, the two guys who consistently put up the highest are the best metrics in terms of their, where they're hitting the ball, how hard they're hitting the ball in our entire system, major leagues or minors are Evan White and Kyle Lewis. And that certainly looks to be the case still to this day. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, well that's the 17 minute mark for, uh, mentioning the wheelhouse on the, on this podcast. Uh, Seven, seven minutes later than, than last week. Um, let's check in on some old Mariners. Uh, we used to have the, the regular segment of, uh, ex Mariner of the week didn't really want to do that this year. Had a more simplified um, approach to this week, uh, given the, the, everything was shorter this this year, I should say. Um, but here we're going to do it. This is this is a bonanza. Uh, I might cue that um, that song that they play at like high school graduations, um, like we remember. Yeah, yeah. As we go, yep. I might have that in the background here as I, I rifle through and feel free to to to, to interject. we're going to start with Gene Segura, who, if you remember. Uh, Gene Segura made the vow to stop drinking whiskey before this season.
1: Yes, um, and, you, we, got, we did discuss that on one of our podcasts,
0: and it has, um, for all intents and purposes, worked. He's had a nice little bounce back year. He's um, playing a little bit more second base, third base, um, as his kind of size, you know, make, makes it harder for him to, to play <laughs> short. He's got the highest walk rate of his career, um, and he actually came up uh, today in a Seth Rosenthal piece in the Athletic as they were kind of doing the the um, retrospective on how the Mariners actually were, were considering trading uh, Segura and Edwin Diaz to the Phillies. Uh, for Sixto, right? F- for a package that would have been Sixto Sanchez and, uh, and JP Crawford. And so that no, has worked I out. I would have
1: done, I would have done the whole thing all over again, <laughs> just how they did it.
0: Absolutely. Um, yeah. it, it worked out quite nicely for the M's because uh, they, in that scenario, you don't get rid of Robinson Cano. Um and uh, everything's a little bit different than it is right now. Probably a lot different because you know right. si- Sixto Sanchez is is great, but um, having Kellenic and all the cap flexibility and you know the, and
1: Crawford
0: exactly, um,
1: and you know Justin Dunn were pretty down on him for good reason. But you know maybe there's something there still,
0: and you you probably don't. Win or you probably don't get Emerson Hancock last year because you're a better team and um, you know mm-hmm. don't get that draft pick. So yeah, everything worked out, but that was that was pretty interesting that cigarette came up uh, in that. And uh, you know you, you you got off Cano. Uh, you get um, Carlos Santana back in that that Phillies trade. Santana turns into Edwin Encarnacion. Who turns, into, who turns
1: into Juan Then. Yep.
0: And uh, Isaiah Campbell, right? He's in that.
1: Yeah, and Isaiah Campbell. Exactly. Yep. So, because Encarni- So they got uh, they got Encarnacion in a competitive balance pick.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: the competitive balance pick, they picked Isaiah Campbell. And then midseason, they traded Edwin Encarnacion for Juan Then to the New York Yankees. Uh, funny enough, talking about Juan Then, another
0: former Mariner, who's now a present Mariner.
1: Yeah. Yep. <laughs>
0: the t- flat circle of, of former Mariners.
1: So we can kind of we can kinda of close the loop on that um sort of trade. That trade is has been finalized after they got Campbell in. So all in all, very, very productive offseason in two thousand nineteen.
0: Robinson Cano is the next guy who has um had a quietly really nice year. Um uh, the Mets have a lot of stuff going on that make people um rightfully question what the hell's going on there a lot of the time. But Um, Cano has the highest WRC plus since his last Yankee year, Um, the highest slugging percentage of his career. Um, And another point, as we talked about last week, pro DH rule is the ability for the the DH in both Mm -hmm. leagues to extend careers like Robinson Cano's and allows those guys to be awesome hitters for longer and still provide value.
1: And um, I think we're probably going to get into a guy who is benefiting from that, and with our next, with our next one, right?
0: Yeah, let's just talk about Nelson, uh, who was a fantastic Mariner. He has been a better Twin, which is insane because, uh,
1: and he was a better Mariner than he was a Ranger. <laughs> it's like he just gets better every single year, and it's this, he defies the aging curve.
0: He uh, is in season thirty-nine and forty in his two Twins years. Um, his WRC plus of one hundred seventy-two is the highest of his career. Uh, he is a sneaky shot at 500 homers um, this season. Made it harder on him uh, because of you know just uh, uh, basically two fifths of what the season should have been lengthwise. Uh, he needs 83 homers as of as of the time we're talking. Man, to get, to if get he to gets to fi-
1: if he gets to 500, you've got to put well. No, actually, never mind. He's not going in the Hall of Fame because got. I forgot he got, uh, got pop for PED. So yeah, he, he's automatically out. You know. Yeah, because if, if Barry Bonds isn't getting in, no, and no one who gets popped for PEDs is allowed in, that's that's my opinion. At Ortiz, least. If, if, you know, that's not fair that Ortiz gets to go in, and why why is he exempt even though he got a, a dirty test? Yeah, I
0: don't know. What well, we'll see, we'll see. Because
1: probably. if if Barry Bonds, the best player probably in the history of the game, is not allowed in the Hall of Fame because of PEDs. Nobody should be allowed in the Hall of Fame because of PEDs. And Barry Bonds uh, had a Hall of
0: Fame career before he ever started taking PEDs. Um, exactly. With, with the Pirates and, and with the early Giants there. Uh, yeah, Nelson Cruz is awesome. Uh, he, can, he can stay around in baseball for as long as he likes. He just takes such good care of himself, so strong, um, and just has mastered um, the at-bat. Um, and to think this was once the Refuse to Cruise podcast, Phil.
1: I know. It just goes to show, you know, we our podcast was born out of uh, one wrong opinion, and uh, we've never stopped with the wrong <laughs> opinion since.
0: Hell no. Uh, let's talk about Edwin Diaz, who's had a, an interesting year. He started off uh, real hot, gave, blew a couple saves, got moved from being the full-time closer with the Mets, uh, but has actually been really nasty this year.
1: Really stellar, yeah. Uh, I mean, it is it is interesting, though, right? Because he's... If you, I bet if you ask Mets fans how they felt about Edwin Diaz, they would not feel like, oh, my God, he's the best. He's amazing, which his stats this year would indicate because he has blown a few key saves. Mm-hmm.
0: And his, his price tag is always Jared Kellenick uh, Yes, so that, exactly. That, that will yeah. never go away. But um, you know, just looking at him in a vacuum, 99th percentile in ex, uh, an expected ERA, uh, 99th in expected batting average, 100th percentile in strikeout percentage, uh and uh what else hundred percent talent with with percentage 98th and fastball velo i mean he he is just cranking. yeah he's check he's checking
1: all the boxes
0: um yeah at levels that that he even kind of in a lot of ways um not, not so much his control but his his stuff exceeding what he was putting out there when in his last mariners year um so good for him i, I hope that he can regain it because he is so freaking talented
1: Yeah, I hope so, too. It was not a pleasurable thing to watch him struggle last year, although, you know, it made the Mariners look smart. But, you know, that's what we always talk about with relievers. Volatility, volatility, volatility. One year, they're great. The next year, they're, you know, horrible. The perfect example, the Rockies just released Wade Davis, who they signed to an 80 million dollar contract. You know what I mean? So these these things do do happen.
0: Uh, JJ puts David Ardsman, uh, Yeah, exactly. You know the, exactly. The, the lineage of Mariner closers, who um, you know, kind of the, the the balloon pops at some point for for a lot of these guys. I mean, Mario Aldo Rivera is just an exceptional exception um, in a lot yeah, of ways.
1: Yeah, really, he truly is exceptional. And in and yeah, exactly what you mean. He's an exception.
0: James Paxton was another interesting one. Uh, his last start for the Yankees was August twenty fourth. Uh, he went on the forty-five day day uh, injured list after that start. I think with shoulder problems. I don't. I don't know. Um, yeah,
1: he's got all sorts of problems. I mean, I feel bad for James, but he's 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 uh he's hit the skids hard in terms of injuries.
0: And before that, he had a six-six-five ERA over five starts um, with the Yankees. He's a free agent this year. That's going to be an interesting contract. It, it won't be the Mariners, I don't think. But he'll, he'll no. Pro- I
1: I can't imagine it would.
0: He'll probably get a one-year deal somewhere. Approve it. Well, here's the
1: other. Here's the other interesting piece. They can offer him a, a qualifying offer. Um, if they offer him the qualifying offer, I think he's going to take it.
0: Oh, he'll take whatever he can get just to you know, yeah. get get, yeah. get something on the books. Um, unless there's something where he wants to, you know, take something with the Blue Jays, being Canada, closer to his family, something like that. Right, right, right. Um, and just, or just hates being a Yankee. But I, I don't think James Paxton really hates being anywhere. Um but it, it will be interesting because obviously there's a reason he was so coveted and and it's it's all due to health um with him um uh, mm-hmm. some some quick ones uh Alex Colomay is is um a, he came over in midseason um in that 2018 run or was that the same yeah
1: didn't even didn't even really remember him to be quite honest with you but now I do
0: yeah he was uh he was just one of the guys that they they brought in and and you know that's what good teams do you you and and the reason why the Mariners bullpen is so irrelevant this year is because, uh, you know, as, as you just said with Wade Davis, you don't spend money on, on free agent relievers. You just, you just go get them when you need them. Um, and that's what the Mariners did a few years ago with Colomay. he is now the white Sox closer has been nails 20.1 innings pitched, uh, has not allowed a home run, 12 saves, two earned runs. Uh, just really good at missing bats and in a good situation with the, the white Sox.
1: Yeah, I mean, good, I mean that's the thing with these guys, these high leverage relievers, is Mariners didn't need them. So I'm happy to see that they're having success with other teams, but it really wouldn't have been one of those things where it's not a Chris Taylor sort of situation where you're like... And the other part of A is he's not exactly cheap anymore. Mm-hmm. It's not a Chris yeah. Taylor situation where you're saying, oh, God, a six years of cost-controlled, you know, three-win player, that would have been something the Mariners could use anytime, anytime, place. But with these relievers, it's it's sort of just it it doesn't really matter.
0: Mike Zanino was another one um that uh that came back. Obviously, Malik Smith um is technically a former mariner as well. Um just kind of a, a nightmarish season for for Malik Smith. Uh, the main piece that came back in that Mike Zanino trade, um, although Jake Fraley is now starting in, I think, left field tonight for the for the M's, but uh Zanino uh has had a rough, rough, <laughs> rough, Jeez, Louis. Rough career, rough, rough run career. for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, Evan White has a has a strikeout percentage of, of forty point two percent, which is extremely high. Uh, Mike Sinino says, "Hold my beer." Uh, his is forty four point six uh, percent.
1: It's a gross. I mean, you just can't be a, a successful. Listen, with Evan White, he is doing as well as humanly possible given his strikeout rate. Because you look at his. What, you know, you always make the joke ex Bacon," mm-hmm. the bacon. But his ex-woba on contact, meaning what when he does make contact, how, how good is he doing? And Evan White is at the very top of the league in terms of that. And even with that, because he strikes out so much, he's still the product you see right now. Now, we think those strikeouts are going to come down and, and Evan's going to fix his own problems. But just for context, 40 is untenable. Mike Zanino doing 44% of his uh at-bats ending in strikeouts is is he's going to be out of the league very quickly if that
0: continues. Let's talk about another guy who I I could have sworn was out of the league um after the Mariners DFA'd him and then the Blue Jays DFA'd him um would be Daniel Vogelbach who has found yeah. a, found a home uh in Milwaukee. Um, Perfect city for him. It kind of is. Uh, the second half of the year for him, so in the last, I think he's played 28 games. The, the last 14 games have been uh, mostly with Milwaukee, if not all with Milwaukee. Has a WRC plus of a $1.87, um, an yeah. OPS of, of 1, 1.077. He's still just 27, and like I said about the DH rule, if he can play DH in either league, that opens up so many more opportunities for him to find a home uh, than if it's just in the AL Um, because I mean, you see it in glimpses. We saw it. Dude can hit when he's dialed in. Um, I just don't think he was.
1: We, uh, yeah, we've seen this story before with him. I'm, I'm, I'm not, um, fretting that he becomes, you know, some otherworldly hitter with the brewers. I, I just, I just don't think he, his swing take profile is just too frustrating. He takes too many pitches right down the heart of the plate. He, when he does swing, he swings and misses far too often. Of course, when he does connect, it's it's pretty it's pretty damn good, but, but it's it's just not a full complete profile for a major league hitter.
0: Let's uh let's do a, a thing that we we started talking about a little bit last week was teams outside of the Mariners. Um, the, the season is coming to a close. Uh, it was obviously an extremely abbreviated season, but uh, the awards are all the same, and uh, we're gonna run through the AL and NL awards. Uh, and I think we can start at the AL Rookie of the Year because that's the most pertinent to the Mariners. Um, this is kind of a two-person race between Luis Robert from, from the White Sox, uh, a, a, I think, 23-year-old sensation yeah. for them. Uh, Cuban
1: and, uh, Cuban defector.
0: Yep. Uh, and and Kyle Lewis, of course, the uh, uh, Georgia defector um, who <laughs> <laughs> patrols the uh, the Mariners' center field. Um, I think this is Lewis's to win, but uh, Robert has had a tough last month that kind of yeah, really made this, this clear. Yeah, it's got to be Louis. So, oh, yeah,
1: JP with a nice little base hit, huh? There we go. Um, go! I love to see JP going the other way on the dirt, uh, just because it, 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 if he can continue to do that consistently, for a couple reasons, sorry to get off track here, but I love that because it means he's going with the pitch, and we always see with JP, his biggest strength is when he can stay with the pitch. When he starts pulling off it, that's when he starts rolling over weakly to the second baseman, the Dustin Ackley special, you know? Mm-hmm. But that, that pitch that he hit against the Giants with the bases loaded, that... Three run double, he went with it and he really made great contact on it. I mean, it's just it. Love to see when JP goes the other way like that.
0: That's uh, some live analysis there as we are recording uh, midst midst Mariner game here. JP Crawford with a nice single uh, over the head of the third baseman um, in in this uh, first inning against the Astros. Um, so yeah, Kyle Lewis I think is 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 the guy here. He's he's got uh, Robert B W's RC plus and War. Um, he would be the fourth mariner's player to win rookie of the year
1: wait don't uh, tell me i want to guess all of them can
0: you name all three
1: okay uh griffey no what okay all right wow wow wow
0: ichiro obviously ichiro was uh was the, MVP the most recent and
1: rookie of the year
0: insane but <laughs> it uh, happened
1: okay uh alvin davis
0: 1984 rookie of the year alvin davis mr mariner that's that's two you're missing one more
1: uh
0: a rod you would have thought Arod and and Griffey would have been uh, uh, two shoe wins for this. I was surprised myself that neither of them won. Uh, the the third Who's one, the last one, the third one won the Rookie of the Year the season before Ichiro did, and is also not from this country.
1: <laughs> the season before Ichiro did, he's also not from this country.
0: Can you please whisper like that more? That was so
1: hot. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I'm drawing a blank. Can you tell me?
0: Kazuhiro Sasaki was your 2000 oh, rookie really? of the year. Yeah. I, oh
1: yeah. I would have never guess that in a million years. I
0: mean, we were seven. So I think but, you can, uh, um, you can, you can blame that on us being second grade idiots, but, yeah. um, but yeah, Kazu was so hopefully Kyle wins the fourth one, but well-deserved. Um, uh, you know, <laughs> thank think for a short, a shortened season made it may, may have helped this, but, uh, uh, we'll take it. That's it's it's an awesome achievement. And, and a guy you know, just... I'm not
1: even so sure the shortened season is what it is. I mean, you look at Lewis's numbers right now and everything. There's nothing about his profile that screams this is going to collapse. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, the, the batting average has, has teetered, but um, as we saw even last night with the three walks, like he, he's still a very effective at-bat
1: um, right. every single time up. And, and we knew the batting average was going to teeter because when it was sitting in the 350s, <laughs> what were we constantly saying? The Babbitt luck, the Babbitt luck. He's getting lucky, he's getting lucky. Completely turned around. He's not getting lucky anymore. And his, I think what we're seeing from Kyle Lewis right now, over it's funny because at the beginning of the season, he was getting very lucky. Lately, he has not been getting lucky. So this is I think what you're seeing here, a 280 guy with lots of pop and a good center fielder is that's kind of what I'm, I'm settling in on on my assessment of him, which is a superstar. I, I know it sounds crazy to say thinking about how lukewarm I was on him not even two months ago, but the adjustments he's made are very, very real and very, very evident.
0: Uh, those three walks, of course, came against Lance McCullers Jr. last night, uh, who I think is probably your AL comeback player of the year. A guy who had um, uh, Tommy, oh yeah. Tommy John surgery uh, last year, kept him out of of the whole season. He's not quite Lance McCullers, the the ace uh, from a few years ago with the Astros, but uh, has had a very nice season. Um, he, do you know Lance McCullers uh, is Lance McCullers Jr. and that his dad played in the league?
1: I did not know there was another Lance
0: McCullers. Well, Lance McCullers Sr. Uh, was nicknamed Baby Goose um, at some point in his career. Can you guess why?
1: Uh, was he similar to Goose Gossage? Exactly. His uh, oh.
0: his, his delivery reminded people of, of Goose Gossage and earned the nickname Baby Goose, which is a dope nickname.
1: Sorry to jump around again, but did you just see the pitch that Lewis took on uh, the corner?
0: You are a few pitches ahead of me, so I, in about 90 seconds, ah. I'll probably see what you saw or
1: more like 30 seconds. Um, well, anyway, there was a at bat he had in San Diego where he took he struck out looking. Oh yes, yes, I saw those. Yes.
0: Those were absurd.
1: I know. <laughs> oh, that might that might do it. Oh, 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 is it gone? Oh, at the wall. Oh,
0: Carlos almost going yard in front of our eyes here.
1: <laughs> but there it is. You know, that's him getting unlucky right there, right? Like in it, that one is a ball that's a fifty-fifty ball. You know what I mean? That's easily a home run. Fifty percent of the time, based on the exit velo and the launch angle, it just didn't work out for him this time. That's he's getting a little bit unlucky. You know what I mean? So I think what you're saying here is what Kyle Lewis is.
0: I might have to uh, record that clip or cut that clip of of you going, oh, 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 for uh, <laughs> for you know fu- future stuff. But um,
1: yeah, it was an exciting little play. We should uh, record in front of the game more often.
0: Yeah. Live stuff, man. Once, once the yeah. speed's going and we, we generate some stuff um, the world is our oyster heading into next season. Uh, the comeback player of the year was probably Kendall Graveman's to win this year. Uh, might be oh, yeah. to win next year. So uh, yeah, keep, keep I think
1: that. I'm really high on Graveman out of the bullpen. He was throwing, he was touching a hundred in the bullpen. I mean, that's, that's, something else with his sinker and his cut change up. Oh God, I'm really excited to see what he can do. Totally fine. If he's the closer for next year, AL Cy
0: Young, I think he's a, is a shoe in Shane Bieber has been phenomenal. Oh yeah. Five, five,
1: you know five, what? <laughs> and, and I want to mention something. I would not only take uh, Shane Bieber as the Cy Young, there's a real consideration that he might be the MVP this year too. Uh, it's probably him or his own teammate.
0: Um, Jose Ramirez is, is a guy who, who could win it in um, uh, playing third for, for Cleveland there. It's probably him or Jose Abreu. Um, they're one. So and... Let's,
1: let's look. I mean, I'm going to look through the war leaders right now. They're, they're, so you they're, got... one,
0: they're one and two in war. Uh, Abreu has a WRC plus of a buck 78. Um, but Ramirez is, is cleaning house uh, a much better base runner. Uh, much more effective and, and valuable You know who's been sneaky player? good
1: this year? Sneaky good, Anthony Rendon.
0: Yeah, yeah, Rendon did not start well, but has been very, very solid for, for the Angels throughout the season.
1: How sad is it that Rendon and Trout are both in the top 15 in the MLB and, oh, God, Kyle just launched one. <laughs> That'll uh, get the run in.
0: Well, um, uh, so who, who do you got, R- R- Abreu, Ramirez, Bieber, for, the, for that race?
1: I, I mean, I would... Like to think it's probably Ramirez, but I, 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 mean, here's the problem. Everyone is so clumped up right now. Like I, I could, I could see there being an argument for Mike Trout all the way down at 13. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Just because we only got to see 60 games this season and you can kind of, if I, here's how I look about war just because Jose Ramirez is technically the MLB leader in war right now. War can still be subject to the same problems every other metric is. Small sample size, this and that. So I I would kind of say, okay, war can be a good starting point here, but we have to look a little bit deeper and think, I I almost hate, I shudder to say this, but like, let's look at team performance a little bit. Let's see how they're doing in clutch situations. Things that I would never say before about um, an MVP performance, but because we have such a small sample size, it's not like you can just... Oh, well, the, his war is higher, so he's definitely the be- been the better player this year. You know what I mean? Because this season, by and large, is about small samples and who can perform well in a small sample.
0: Yeah, and I think narratives win awards, too. And, and that, that yeah. White Sox story, and, and similar on the other side to the Padres, of mm-hmm. young team finally coming to their own. They've, they're they're fun to watch. I would not be surprised if that if that benefits them a lot uh, in, right. in other awards as well. Uh, Ale Manager of the Year, Lou Piniella, um, <laughs> is not going to win this year, but... I would love
1: Uh, to see him win it.
0: uh, He won manager of the year in both leagues. uh, And there's also been two other active managers who have done that. Uh, The only three guys who have done that, uh, Lou Pinella, and then these two guys. Who are they?
1: That have won it in both leagues? AL and NL manager of the year. Okay. I'm going to go with Joe Madden. That's one. Give me the year, give me like the time frame the other guy was active as a as a manager. Uh
0: well he's active right now. Um Oh he, really? Yeah, uh, yeah, he uh let's I'll just I'll just move move you along here. He did it in okay. both the AL and NL West.
1: AL and NL West. Why is this not helping me? AL and NL West. Who did it in both the AL and NL West?
0: He used to manage the Mariners. He you, Oh, Bob Melvin. Bobby Melvin.
1: Well, who did it, wait? Who did Bob Melvin manage in the in the NL West?
0: Uh, 07, I think he won it with the
1: Diamondbacks. Um, did not see. I would that that one. I wouldn't have gotten.
0: It was a, one of those weird like Brandon Webb years. I think the Diamondbacks <laughs> actually had a, a negative run differential, but made made the playoffs. Um, and Mel, Melvin was the beneficiary there. Uh, but anyways, I think that the AL Manager of the Year probably is Rick Renteria, the manager for yeah, the White uh, Sox.
1: That, I mean, that one's probably a, a, a lock.
0: He, uh, and then uh,
1: ting- Tingler, probably for the Padres in uh, in the NL, huh?
0: That's what I've got. Yeah. I mean, the, the White Sox winning percentages the last few years 414, 383, 447, up to 630 this year. Uh, uh, fun fact God, r- You'd
1: certainly hope the Mariners can make the jump like that, where it's just <laughs> like one year to the next. You know, a lot of times you see it, the team has to kind of hit 500, spend a year or two at the 500, 520, 530 in there, and then they can make the leap. I really hope the Mariners can do what the White Sox did and just say, we're going right to the top.
0: Well, what the White Sox did is uh, have a bunch of really, really good players. They have uh, six of yeah. the top 30 uh, hitters in the AL in terms of war. Um, yeah, they need team. pitching, though. Um, so, yeah, the, 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 the roster there, their, their batting order is just stacked, um, and uh, they, they've reaped the benefits this year. Uh, all right, let's move to the NL. Um, the comeback player of the year is a guy I want to start with first. Uh, do you know who Daniel Can I give
1: you mine first? Uh yeah, please. Will Myers. Will Myers has, has
0: been fantastic. Um another that, another former trade yeah. trade candidate, right?
1: Yeah, if I mean I, that was a guy that I wanted the Mariners to target, not because I thought he was gonna be good, but because I thought the Padres would unload his contract and attach a nice prospect with it. Mm-hmm. But he has turned into quite the player this year.
0: Yeah, yeah. I forget what what the deal was. Maybe it was a Paxton. A Paxton deal or a Segura deal um, that was being floated around. I remember that was kind of the <laughs> first whispers we got that uh, the teardown was coming with with Seattle a couple winters ago. Um, my My uh, Myers is great. He's he's certainly. I think if this was just about raw performance among eligible guys here, I would give it to Myers. But in terms of story, here's one that I learned about this morning. Uh, Daniel Bard uh, is a re- I, re- reliever for the I don't even know Rockies. who that is. Okay, yeah. so here's 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 Daniel Bard's thing. He was a, a first-round pick with the Red Sox in 2006. Um, he was uh, touching 100, was just killing it out of the bullpen, um, and then he got the yips, and he got the yips so oh, bad. Oh, really? He was a yips guy. He uh, was absolutely just couldn't locate whatsoever. Um, I think by, by 2009, he was just completely unraveling, um, bounced around with the Cubs, uh, with the Diamondbacks, just couldn't stick anywhere.
1: Did he try moving to center field like Rick Ankiel?
0: <laughs> no, he did not. Um, but uh, he retires in 2013, um, and then he would. But before that, it was so bad that he would try anything to to, to get himself right. He would go into bullpen sessions uh, too deep just to just to get take the edge off. Still wouldn't yeah. work. Just everything. Uh, so he retires. He actually becomes a player mentor with the Rockies, or sorry, with the Diamondbacks um uh one of their yeah, kind of like mental mental skills coach type okay types. yeah i mean
1: he would have experience in dealing with the mental side of baseball more than probably most yeah
0: talking to players about how to get through their stuff um and he's throwing with with diamondbacks farmhands and uh he's starting to, to heat up a little bit and guys are telling him like y- you should try out like you, you yeah you should make another fire. run at this Uh, So he quits the job with the the Diamondbacks, and then a week later, the Rockies sign him. And this year, he has been really good for the Rockies. Um, He has had 72nd percentile in strikeout percentage, 99th percentile in fastball spin rate, um, 96th in fastball velocity, which is just crazy for a guy that literally before this year hadn't pitched professionally in seven years.
1: You know, uh, this is a quiet story too. I feel like I'm pretty plugged in with the goings on around the MLB and I this is the first time I'm hearing of it.
0: Credit to Stephanie Afstein in Sports Illustrated for writing the story um back I think in March when uh he was trying to make the team with the, the with the Rockies. He's certainly done more than that. Um obviously a talented guy, you know, he's a first round pick for a reason, but <laughs> um it is really cool to, to see that happen. And that's that's baseball, man. There's so much stuff like that going on that there's almost not enough writers to tell you all these stories.
1: Right. Yeah, there's so many great storylines.
0: Yeah, I mean think think about that Kendall Graveman thing that we talked about a few weeks ago where he's, you know, kind of bawling in front of Ryan Divish. Like yeah. that's that's such a small thing in any any given MLB season. But
1: But that's um, why we love the game, you know, with heroes and, you know, retribution and Try uh, like tribe devotion and all this stuff. It's just like uh, life played out in like a little. Mi- it's like a little microcosm of life. Yeah, I mean, this Daniel Bard guy. I didn't know the story, but that's like a beautiful uh, story of of redemption.
0: He was on our fantasy team too, and I, he's oh. been he's been great for our fantasy team. I just had no idea that there was a comeback story involved with him. Yeah. Um, until until this morning. So again, Stephanie half seen Sports Illustrated. Amazing story about uh, the things he and his family went through um, to get, uh, to get to this point, uh, which is, you know, back, back in the saddle, which, uh, is, is super cool. Uh, NL Cy Young is a really interesting race, uh, between there's like nine guys.
1: guys who could win it.
0: <laughs> yep. Denelson LeMay, our guy, you Darvish, yeah, that's Ky- our Kyle Hendricks, uh, Jacob deGrom, who seemingly will be at this, the top of this race, uh, uh, in perpetuity, uh, Corbin Burns for the, for the Brewers has been fantastic. Trevor mm-hmm. Bauer, uh Max Fried has not given up a home run in fifty-five innings this year. Um it's uh it's a wide open. Yeah, race. okay. So
1: real quick about that, I'm glad you mentioned that. You know how we always talk about like with for instance, Malik Smith is our favorite example with Babip. Like we even when he was uh with the um Rays, we were like, uh oh, that doesn't look good. It looks like they bought a little high on Malik's because his Babip was so inflated. Mm-hmm. I feel the same way about when a, a pitcher has a really, really, really suppressed home run to fly ball ratio. You know what I mean? If they haven't given up a home run in a long time, I feel yeah, like they're due. they're due. Yeah, I don't feel like that's a skill that's really like, I mean, maybe there's some skill to not giving up home runs. But I, I feel like there is s- certain amounts of luck that go into home run suppression. Mm
0: hmm. Yeah, it's it's uh it's a little jarring to to see the rest of the list of of um you know home run to or what yeah home run to fly ball ratio and everyone's about the same at the top of the list and then you just see a 0.0 there with with right three. um but yeah wide open race I wouldn't even try to, to predict it I'd root for Denelson Lemay because he's a badass uh, and he's our guy and and he's our guy and I've loved watching him pitch but uh, I think Darvish is certainly deserving any of these guys, you know, it's it's so close that, you know, one one great start this week might be what puts yeah, it over. Yeah, and
1: that's probably what it'll come down to. A couple of these guys will have less than stellar starts. A couple of them have really stellar starts, and that'll be the, the decider.
0: The National League Rookie of the Year, I think uh, the guy who's going to win this is probably the reason that Ty France was available. Uh, Jake, Cron- Yeah, Cronenworth, <laughs> Jay- absolutely. Jake Cronenworth for the Padres has been uh, really good them- for them as a second baseman. Um, kind of mush- moved, obviously, with Machado at third. Uh, And Tatis at short kind of moved um, Ty Francis to an expendable piece. And now he's our great piece uh, for the Mariners. You know,
1: Croningworth's an interesting one because he came over from the Rays. And you know how highly I think of the Rays player development and their front office and everything. And he was just kind of a middling guy with the Rays. But something the Padres did unlocked him, which is very rare. Because if the Rays can't figure a guy out, I don't have hope for them being figured out by anybody else in the MLB. Like, for instance, when Mike Zanino went to the Rays, I was so confident yep. that Mike Zanino <laughs> was going to turn into the best player in baseball. But he ha- – so, I mean, that just goes to show Mike Zanino, you know, you can't – sorry, my ride's here. <laughs> That'll <laughs> never never not be funny. Um, no, but, it, I mean, it just goes to show no, no player dev in, in the world would fix Mike Zanino after what, you know, the previous regime of the Mariners kind of ruined him. Um, if maybe he was with the Rays the entirety of his career, we could be looking at a, an amazing player, but it, it just wasn't in the cards for Zanino. But it is interesting that Cronenworth found success outside of the Rays system, where he couldn't find it inside the Rays system. Very rare. Does not happen often.
0: Definitely. Yeah, he is uh, second in rookie war, I think, among among batters, at least, behind Kyle Lewis. So certainly deserving. Tony Gonsolin of the Dodgers might be another candidate uh, mm-hmm. there as well. Uh, NL MVP is just as, as loaded as the NL Cy Young races, yeah, um, definitely. Tatis, Machado, Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts. I think there's probably even a name that I'm forgetting there. Uh, but here's just a, a, a tidbit on Freddie Freeman. Um, Freeman has been a great player for a long time, but, uh, his last, I, think month, I know what the tidbit
1: is going to be. Well, his last, his
0: last month, uh, 130 plate appearances, a 500 on base percentage and a WRC plus of 211. Um, he is just absolutely killing the baseball right now. Uh, oh, I for, thought you
1: were gonna do. I thought you were gonna give the tidbit about the grand slams. Do you know what I'm talking about?
0: How he's never hit one.
1: He had never hit one, and he has like what 200 and something home runs. And then he hit a grand slam finally. And then his next home run was another grand slam.
0: <laughs> That's funny. Uh, remember when the Mariners went like three years without hitting a grand slam? Yeah, have we
1: hit one this year? I can't even remember. Yeah,
0: Kyle hit one and and uh, Marmo hit one.
1: Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Marmo did hit one. I remember Marmo hitting one. Kyle Lewis or Seeger? Seeger hit one. Seeger hit one. Okay. Yeah.
0: Kyle Lewis uh, saved one though.
1: So that I do remember that. That was a, <laughs> such a fun game. And net, then we followed it up by Jimmy Jacabonis. Uh
0: Yeah, net three grand slams. I guess for for the Mariners this year. Uh, yeah, uh, any of those guys could win it. Wouldn't be surprised. Machado might be the guy. Mookie might be the guy. This is another, you know, there's another 15 at-bats left on the plate for all these guys. Uh, whatever they do with it might be the, um, the differentiator here. Right. Uh, manager there, you mentioned him earlier, A.J. Tingler, his first-year manager for the Padres, I think uh, is probably going to win this for very similar reasons that uh, that Rick Renteria is going to win it with the White Sox. Kind of just a right place, right time thing, obviously. And, uh,
1: uh, I, I'm dubious of how much, sorry, can we uh, pause really quick? Not the podcast, but uh, talking. Cause I want to break down this freely at bat. I want to see what we see here because he has been really bad. And I want to see if anything at the alternate site has, has changed anything about the way he's approached anything in his swing. You he looks it. a little bit more, he looks a little bit more crouched. He was very upright at the start of the season when he was up at the plate. Now he looks like he's leaning over the plate a little bit more. I'm not sure. Almost um, Crawford-esque in terms of... uh, Yeah. Yeah. I want to look where he's striding all these things.
0: Maybe uh, a a new tat on the right forearm as as well? Yeah.
1: I mean, for a guy who's so conservative and maybe rubbing... um, I don't. I don't want to get into that speculation, but you know, rubbing his teammates the wrong way because of all the social unrest, he's certainly got a lot of tattoos. Wait, did that happen?
0: Is is Fraley a, a, a like COVID truther or what?
1: Uh, no, he, if you look at his Instagram, a lot of his stuff is very conservative leaning, and I don't want to conflate conservatives with not sure. um, th- supporting, you know, societal issues. But uh, I think he has sort of rubbed his teammates the wrong way oh god see there you go with fraley right there the just chasing the low and away curveball and that's a problem a lot of times we see it being a problem with evan white but that has been the death of so many great prospects is the inability to lay off the low and away curveball and i know it's got to be hard but you have to make that adjustment if you want to have any hope
0: that's this is uh, i'm assuming that the 2-2 pitch that that he sees from valdez here
1: Oh, I keep forgetting you're behind me. Uh,
0: yes, I just saw it. That was horrible. <laughs> that was horrible. a a, a one hopper well away from the plate. Um that that Fraley just just
1: yeah. I mean his 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 career trajectory has been really disappointing to watch. Like last year you thought this guy could be a potential everyday left fielder, and now I'm not so sure he could even make the roster as a fourth outfielder fringe guy. He looks lost.
0: He was he was torching uh double and triple a last year before he finally made it up and then didn't really show much got hurt and then it was you know you're kind of willing to write that off and then it has been just abysmal he, he did yeah, get, he, and
1: and i just want to mention that's you know taylor trammell and Jared kennel we've, we've mentioned this in the past but you know a happen. lot of these guys they're they're just they're not going to work out and i i really hope people don't sour on the plan if they see uh Tremel come up and 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 turn out to be kind of a pumpkin because it happens all the time mm. and it's and that's why you build this depth and that's why the dodgers are the dodgers because it happens to the dodgers too it's looking like it might be i mean it's too early to tell but it looks like it might be happening to gavin lux sure um but the dodgers that's why they're the dodgers because if gavin lux doesn't work out they have three guys right behind him you know who and one of them will work out
0: mm-hmm. yeah and for for every gavin lux there's uh a a prospect that, you know, was not thought highly of, didn't have that same pedigree, but you you, you turn them above their circumstances and now they're a rotational player for you.
1: and, and that's where we come in with Kyle Lewis, you know. True. That's I a mean, perfect example.
0: Yeah. Uh, that's, uh, that's it for the awards. I think that was, that was a robust segment we handled that well. Um, I, I don't know if we made a definitive picks in a, in a lot of those places, but, um, certainly at least
1: got people familiar with the names
0: and let's hope Daniel Bard wins it for the NL because that's yeah, just yeah, such a good story. well uh, The Will Myers has been crushing, uh, as has every Padre. Um, let's, uh, let's take a bike ride, Phil. Um, I, I will start this one.
1: Yeah, I, I think I want to just not give one this week because I want to focus on yours because I think it's really, really quite important.
0: Yeah, so here's, here's the deal. Um, I, I, when was the first hit that Dylan Moore took that was a uh, game against the... It was uh, in
1: San Diego. Or, or no, it was in San Francisco, excuse me. And it was uh, about 99 miles an hour to the top of his head sometime midweek last week.
0: Yeah, uh, and then last night, um, so that would be, what, Monday night, uh Dillmore took another one um off the head from a pitch from Brandon Bielak uh that that sent him to the to the deck uh and then as he's he's getting evaluated and talked to by by the the Mariners trainers um you hear from Aaron Goldsmith who has been on this podcast and I think is is objectively one of the absolute best voices in baseball and I think we are extremely lucky as a fan base to have him uh but you heard from him say something that is totally un unco- or totally common from uh, from broadcasters in that moment of not really knowing what to say uh, and saying, I think along the lines of um, we know one thing and, and nothing is going to stop Dylan Moore from, from get, from playing. Um, Dylan Moore today. Yeah, was, and you
1: know, I think that is a, that's a well-intentioned statement, Sure, you know, like, Oh, he's a tough guy tough, but it, it does actually do a lot of harm in terms of um, like, Because, you know, and obviously you have so much more expertise because of your job. But to me, head injuries are obviously the least apparent and least Mm -hmm. visible injury. If you break your ankle on the field, you can't walk. If you get a concussion, you may look okay, And you may even be able to pretend like you know what's going on and maybe even get back into the game. So people are like, if somebody breaks their ankle, of course you can't play. You can't walk. But. It's got to be treated and and that's just an ankle we're talking about somebody's brain here so it's got to be treated even more severely than that.
0: Yeah, exactly. And and Goldsmith saying that is like I said not not uncommon you you hear broadcasters try and make this point all the time especially as they're trying to fill air when they don't quite know what happened to Dylan Moore. Dylan Moore today was was it was announced that he is uh going to be held out for the rest of the season, getting put on the 7-day concussion injured list. Um both, you know, it sucks that Dylan Moore, this is this is happening to him. Uh, for all intents and purposes, he should recover. This will end his season. He'll have a long time to recover from this, um, which is a good thing. Uh, but more on the Goldsmith point of just, like, in general, it, it's just a totally different thing. Like you said, I mean, a broken ankle is one thing. A, a, a concussion is a functional injury to the way that you're thinking, behaving, uh, feeling. And you're not going to know that from how a person looks per se. Um, and, and, yeah, to, and to complete that with toughness about... is okay. is is just it's damaging because you know there's there's the kid who says I you know Dylan Moore's great Dylan Moore's my favorite player, uh, and when I take a hit to the head you know I'm going to think that the only recourse for continuing to play is is through toughness, uh, right. not just treating the injury as it as it should.
1: And, and let me talk about this from a selfish perspective, from a Mariners-centric yeah. perspective. Why in the world, Dylan Moore is one of your best assets as a player, as a contract, as everything. He is one of your best assets. And you talked to me and right before this podcast about how batting averages tend to plummet directly after a concussion. Mm-hmm. So not even just about that. But it we have seen a concussion ruin a baseball career. We've seen it with Joe Maurer. We saw it with Justin Morneau. Coincidentally, it's two twins, but still. Baseball is one of those games where you need laser focus. Your brain has to make these uh, snap decisions in less than a tenth of a second. Why, I w- if if you were to tell me, I you can choose between your favorite player having a concussion or break or tearing his ACL, that would be a tough. A, a concussion in baseball, I mean, a concussion is no joke. Any time. But a concussion in baseball can have real, real bad effects on the player's performance too. So just a really stupid thing, I think, for the Mariners to do to leave him out there even after mm-hmm. the first time he got it um, and obviously the second time they left him in the game and then the next day they put him on the, the IL uh, or, you know, the concussion list or whatever they call it for head injuries. Um, so, so really just not at all a, a, a smart managing of the situation and, and pretty disappointing, quite frankly.
0: Yeah, totally. I mean, you you said it very well there. Um, it's it's upsetting for from the uh, the Mariners' training staff letting that happen, but you know that 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 can happen, right? Symptoms don't necessarily have to manifest uh, immediately after a concussion. Uh, Dylan Moore might have felt that he was fine, uh, and then you know he gets to the shower after the game and, and is is feeling woozy, and that's when when things come up. Or or this morning he feels nauseous, and that's when when things start. So it's hard to tell with those things, but the one thing you can control is how you talk about a potential concussion. Um, and that was mishandled, uh, by, by Mr. Goldsmith, but, uh, still the best. I love him, but just have to point that out. I would be remiss if I, if I didn't. Um, and let's hope, uh, Dill Moore makes a full recovery. And I also want to say, uh, do you remember what happened to Jake Fraley in, in spring training this year? No, I don't. Well, remember he took the big hit on his head um, from oh from that's, a, yeah, 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 yeah from a pitch, and he wasn't, wasn't diagnosed with a concussion, to my knowledge, but um, you know, the, the potential Could for explain that is, some of it is yeah. possible. Um, and you know, it's, it's conjecture it's speculation, but it's the type of thing that's like you know, if that went untreated and we're talking about Jake Fraley, oh, what a disappointment. And meanwhile, he's hiding symptoms hypothetically uh, for a long time that, that led him to this. Boy, that's a whole different perspective.
1: Yeah, and it would be. And that would be a complete failure on the Mariners training staff. You know, that would be that's a fireable offense, not even just from a health health and safety standpoint. But again, a cost controlled asset that could be really good. You just ruined uh, not maybe not only a season, but maybe a career. Uh, again, this is all conjecture. Mm-hmm. We don't know what's going on there. But but again, it it is just worth reiterating how much more seriously baseball needs to take concussions yeah. than they currently do
0: and it's a snake chasing its tail too because a guy like fraley could have been you know he could have been the beneficiary the recipient of a message similar to what you know we heard last night of you know dylan moore's toughing it out and so when he gets hit in the head uh he's toughing it out he's ignoring his symptoms he's not telling people about right. his symptoms and uh then we're in this situation over again again speculation it's just playing out that hypothetical of here's how these things uh go hand in hand between how they're messaged and how uh how they play out when when athletes suffer from them Uh, to a lighter topic yellow hydro uh, of this week unless you have another another bike ride to give out
1: no i have a yellow hydro though let's do it all right hear me out the los angeles angels of anaheim (laughs) Uh, and i'll tell you why because they are it looks like for for, from every indication that we're getting right now it looks like they're moving on from billy epler which is their, their current gm and you know Fair or not fair, that's kind of what it is. You have Mike Stroud on your team and you haven't been to the playoffs in five years, you're you're not going to get another contract. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But here's where the yellow hydro comes in. They are going to, looking, it's looking this way. It's not for certain yet, but it's looking like they're going to hire your your um, homeland's uh, favorite GM, Dave Drombows- Drombowski, who brought uh, the Red Sox yes. a World Series. But man, what a bad hire. That guy is brought in for one purpose and one purpose only, gut the farm system, get me in a world series right now. And now we're seeing in Boston exactly what Drambrowski left behind.
0: Yeah, uh Dave Dombrowski is is uh, kind of a, a interesting figure. He gutted uh, Detroit, got them to, you know, really high highs and then now they're coming out of those right now. Uh and then, you know, Boston it kind of messed it up so bad that they had to trade rookie Betts, which you never yeah. want to do. Um, so yeah, interesting, interesting guy. Is, is that official that, that, the, the it's, high- it's not
1: official, <laughs> but it, it's, it's not just rumor at this point. There is very real interest.
0: Well, I mean, for, for an organization that's already made, uh, such signings as the Josh Hamilton, uh, Pujols, um, you know, even, even Vernon Wells. Yeah, exactly. they they've Gary Matthews Jr. They, they've done this over and over and made these short-term signings to try and, or long-term signings with a lot of money to try and you and kind of feel wins. bad
1: for them you feel bad for them. Cause like at the same time they have Mike Trout, they can't break it down right now. Mm-hmm. They have to try and win with Mike Trout, but there's just, it's just been mismanaged so poorly that they're kind of in a really bad situation because they don't really have anything coming up to support them. They're maxed out on their payroll. I, I don't see where you go from here. Really?
0: Yeah. in a lot of ways Dombrowski might be the perfect guy to try and just get Mike Trout to an ALCS. Um, but, uh, you really get one shot with, with, with him and, and, uh, so yeah, interesting. Uh, I'll have to, to see that play out. And, and I'll text my uh, Red Sox friend right now and, and see what he would think or what his message would be to any fan base uh, thinking about hiring Dave Dombrowski. Um, my yellow hydro was to Amir Garrett, who has long been really cool. Uh, but last night before the final strikeout of the game, uh, he uh, you can see his, his face um, as he's kind of uh, in in, his, in the stretch looking over to first and he just whispers, to himself, I'm a bad motherfucker. Uh, and then <laughs> he just thro- throws a delicious slider to, uh, to 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 end the game. Uh, he is really cool. He had an awesome interview the other day. Um, yeah, baseball
1: you- needs personalities like that. Oh, I dude, mean, it's trite to say at this point, but like, baseball needs more of that.
0: Ba- basketball blew up in in the you know our, our college years because we knew so much about the players in the sport outside of basketball, and they're awesome players. Right who are really dynamic and interesting and embrace social media and uh, were fun interviews and had these personalities that we liked. Uh, Baseball doesn't necessarily have that um, in a lot of ways as as a fault of its own. It just doesn't lean into players' personalities in a lot of ways. Uh, But then the microphone pans to Marco Gonzalez and he's giving shit to uh, to Aaron Goldsmith. And you're like, I want to hear more from this guy. This is, this right, is a, right.
1: like, those okay. on field interviews have been really good this year. You want to hear those. That's the type of thing they need to continue on into next year. Totally. You know, the pitcher, the pitcher on the off day, giving the interview, the, the guy mic'd up in center field, you know, stuff like that.
0: Yeah, exactly. And so, so baseball has had this chance and has, you know, such awesome young talent that we know is good at baseball, but can we give them a microphone? Um, and I think Amer- right. Garrett is, is one of those examples. I also uh, think we should probably include a Mariner in this. Uh, Marco Gonzalez uh, getting his first win against the Astros had a 7-2-2 ERA against that team uh, before yesterday. I think there's great brand synergy going on with, uh, with Marco. Uh, Evan White described him as having a, a bulldog mentality. Um, Marco obviously oh, yeah, there you go. Marco went to Gonzaga, and he and his wife Monica, who uh, brokered his, uh, his appearance on this podcast, uh, is a very nice lady. Uh, they are um, they have the Mr and Mrs Bulldog sandwich at uh, at Blazing Bagels and a dollar from every sandwich goes to uh, defeat MSA uh, a charity that they support which is really cool um, can you you're in Seattle I'm not can you can you go get a Mr Bulldog sandwich from Blazing Bagels you know, and, and report I, I... back
1: I'm going to do it because there's a blazing bagels very close to where I live. So I'm going to, I'm going to do that. That'll be my, that'll be my book report for next week.
0: Okay. And, and yeah, please, please do report back. Maybe if you have time uh, and want to do it, maybe a Mr. And a Mrs. Uh, I'll Venmo you for, for half the cost. If,
1: if... No, I, I'd be happy to do it. I, and I'll give Anya the Misses, And she's got a very good palate herself. So, so we'll see what she has to say about those.
0: And Anya can make her official podcast debut. Um, Talking through the uh, the the joys of a, of a misses, we don't have to be gender normative either. She can do the mister, you can do the Mrs. Yeah, half, yeah, exactly. Um, but I would like to know the product of of, of I've never had blazing bagels.
1: I, I like blazing bagels. I think it's good, so I, I'm excited to see what his creation is.
0: Well, fantastic. Well, somehow we did this in just about an hour. I was I was worried this was going to be one of our our two hour uh, odysseys that I end up having to split into two episodes. But but we did no, it. No, it's
1: it's late for you over there. You got to get to bed.
0: Ten man, I'm I'm fine. I've, I've, yeah, this I got another two hours before before shit closes down here. Uh, well, thank you, Phil. This this was excellent. Um, again, more more developments coming soon uh, on on this feed front. Um, we'll let you know when we migrate to our own feed uh, with a new new name. Yeah, I'm really new, excited. New logo. For I, I think
1: I think it's our uh, launching off. This has been a great thing for you to let allow me to be on your personal sort of feed but it's gonna be really fun when we can we can both take you know because technically right now i'm still the guest so it'll be True. nice when i'm no longer the guest
0: yeah uh and uh and so I, I can't wait for that uh phil thank you very much uh we'll be in touch go M's. fun season um we'll, we'll do like an ems wrap-up thing probably next week or, or the week after yeah. but uh enjoy those those bagels
1: and congratulations to the MLB for making it through the season. Was not easy.
0: That's true. Uh, I was yeah. I was real worried there for a little bit, um, but here we are. Uh, all right, yeah. man. Be well.
1: All right, you take care. Peace.